0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is
2: now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952.
3: Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp Robot. That's a terrible robot, boys. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs.
2: You ever caught an alien, Shannon?
3: Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor.
1: Nobody
2: calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man.
3: On 1080, The Fan. Hour two of two here on
1: Sports Sunday. Mike Rashad with you and Jesse, two until 11 o'clock. Talking a lot of NBA today as the offseason has been pumping this week. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And it's making me especially, but I think a lot of people out there, very excited for this coming season to watch the entire regular season and just not have any idea who is going to win in the end. But we're talking Blazers right now. And last time we kind of just went over the moves that they made and talked about who they added. So again, if you missed it, Kent Bazemore, Mario Hazonia, Hassan Whiteside, Anthony Tolliver, and they brought back Rodney Hood or all the big moves that they have made thus far. Tolliver is not officially signed yet, I don't think, um, because I don't see him on the depth chart yet. But he will be the backup power forward to Zach Collins. And he has a career almost uh, 37, 38 percent three-point shooter. So a very quality veteran presence who can shoot the three, which, again, I think Neil O'Shea finally realized we just need guys who can consistently hit the three no matter who's out there at what time more than just Dame C.J. and one guy off the bench. You need everybody to be able to hit the three, and that's what they're trying to build. But moving forward as well, all of those additions are great, and your starting lineup is probably going to be Dame C.J., Hood, Collins, and Whiteside until Nurkic comes back. You'll see, likely see Bazemore off the bench, Hazonia off the bench. Um, But you're also going to see a good amount of Anthony Simons, you will likely see some Nasir Little and maybe some Gary Trent Jr. too because he's playing in the Summer League. If he shows he's got an, a, an improved presence on an NBA floor, he might be able to crack the lineup a little bit as well. The Blazers are really going to be relying on their talent development, again, to hope that these young guys mature enough to become everyday contributors for this team. And that all starts with Anthony simons And you kind of teased it last segment, Rashad, but Simons is being talked about in the light of which I don't think we've ever really seen a young player talked about. Even Damian Lillard wasn't talked about like this on the Blazers. He is getting rave reviews from every player, every front office person, and apparently, according to a report, every team is asking about him in trade talks, and they're all being told no. So everybody's on Simons, and I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of getting sucked into the Simons buzz a little bit. I mean, what if he turns out to be A third star on this team. And that's that's why this year is so important for him and the other young guys is you're gonna get that first opportunity. You gotta seize it. You gotta take it.
2: I think Anthony Simons is he he he's gonna be somebody that surprises a lot of people. You know, I think initially when he was drafted last year, we all kind of rolled our eyes at it, like, oh oh shit, what are you doing? You know, but honestly, at 24, what would you really be able to, you know, to get at that point? And you went out and got what seems to be a quality player, and like you, we keep mentioning like without Anthony, how
1: much we all judged it. Like, oh you man, took the IMG Academy Every, kid. Everybody just rolled doing? their eyes
2: at it, like man, what are you doing? You know how fire this guy, like get rid of Olshay, and then he just uh, it turns out that you know, and you mentioned it earlier, Anthony Simons basically saved the Blazers postseason for them. You know, without him, they
1: were trying to lose. They
2: were tra- actively trying to lose, and you know, and, my, and it was a blessing in disguise because now all of a sudden the whole city is thinking championship now and the whole city is thinking championship window i don't think that really happens if you have to play golden state in the second round and you get bludgeoned by you know kevin durant and company so uh he was huge for that but i love the kid's confidence you know i've told you guys the story about meeting him at the Blazers facility and just how confident he was about that game and knowing what he can do with the skill and the fact that if you've seen him he's getting bigger and he's getting longer and he's getting you know it looks like he's kind of getting taller at his you know, he, he's what, twenty at this point. So I think
1: he is now twenty years old.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, you know, here's a kid that just he's a gym rat and he just loves to hoop. And uh-huh. you know yeah. that
1: generic word. He, he, Usually no, reserved he's a, for white players. No,
2: no, he's a he <laughs> he really he really loves to hoop. He loves to shoot. You know, he's somebody that's always dressed in hoop gear, always has a ball with them. You know, he he's loves to play basketball, man. And I think when you get to this level, like those are the guys that end up succeeding. Not the ones that necessarily want to make money. Yes, that's gonna be a big part of it if you're good. But I think Simons has all the makings of a really, really good guard in this league. So you you add him with the toughness of a Kent Bazemore and somebody that can come off the bench. The second unit for the Blazers all of a sudden looks legit. You know, so I you mean you might
1: not need to play Dame or CJ with the second unit if Simons no. can turn into a primary school. If Simons
2: can be that guy, they can get they can be spelled for, you know, you know, six minutes at a time to where they can kind of get their legs back under him. But in the second unit, you're looking at possibly Kent Bazemore and Simons. Maybe, you know, uh, you got uh Tolliver there, Tolliver, uh, Scala VCA. We don't still you still don't know what you're going to get from him. You still don't know what kind of player that he is. So you have a lot of guys that could really shock the hell out of you, you know, as the season moves on. So well, you haven't yeah. even
1: mentioned the guy they drafted this year again. Mid 20s pick.
2: Where does he fit? You it just might don't know. Take
1: another a year for him to develop and that's fine. But he might turn into a guy who can at least instantly impact the game on defense because he's supposed to be a great defender. And he's just a high flying, jumping, rebounding guy who just has to get consistently better on offense. And, but.
2: and to be fair, the one thing Olshay doesn't do is he doesn't just throw his rookies, you know, out there to the Wolves. You know, outside of Dame, which you know you kind of had to start him with the sixth overall pick and everything. But CJ, it was a it was a process for him. You know, he had to find fit, find his footing in the NBA. Uh, I think the same thing is going to happen with Anthony Simons. I think Nasir Little is going to be in that same situation as where they're not just going to be thrown out there, but they're going to learn how to play the game before they really start getting those significant minutes in, in really crucial times.
4: It, it, I think one of the biggest things that if An- Anthony Simons turns out to be kind of a, a, I want to say a third star, because I I, I think that would obviously be very difficult with it's your... to throw that word around. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and your two stars or your what are considered your two stars are at the guard position. So that obviously makes things hard. But what I th- I think if this guy is a guy that can emerge as a guy that looks like he has the ability to be a third star, lead that second unit, um, you spell CJ and Dame, that's what I think is the most important thing. Because, you know, there was a trust there with Seth uh, last year where, at, even though he was only giving you seven points a game and he was only hitting one three-pointer a game, he, there was a trust there that allowed the Dame and CJ to get the rest they needed on the bench because we've seen in, in the past with teams that they don't have the depth. If they want to really compete and they really want to you know, get that, that top seed in the playoffs, they have to play their players a lot during the regular season and that affects the postseason. So if, if Anthony Simons can come in and CJ and Dame can continue to get the rest that they need, you know, because last year uh, CJ only averaged 30, 34 minutes a game and, and Dame was averaging like 35, 36 minutes a game. Those are doable minutes for superstars. But once you get in that 40 minute range, which, if you don't have a guard that can legitimately back them up, that's that's where they're going to end up being. That's going to truly impact that postseason. We kind of saw that last year towards the end of the season, you know, where CJ got that rest with the injury going in. He he looked a lot better in the postseason with those fresh legs. Where his uh, name looked really
1: tired. Exactly. At, during the end of the postseason. Yeah, that's a text we just got on the Better You Today text line. Do you think the Blazers could get by with Lillard playing less minutes in the regular season? I think they're going to have to. I think that's one lesson that Terry Stotts, Maybe maybe is needs to be forced to learn, but minutes or days off for rest, games off for rest, or you know, uh, as suke likes to say, a random fake back injury that takes you out for two weeks in the middle of the regular season. You need you need these guys in the playoffs. And Damian Lillard is a machine, and he showed you, despite playing as many minutes as he did in the regular season, that he by himself beat the Thunder and although tired against the Nuggets was important in that series as well, but imagine if he had played less minutes and put less pressure on his body during the regular season. He may have single-handedly beaten two teams for you because he wouldn't have gotten exhausted at that point. And then then he's Nuggets-level tired and not Warriors-level tired against Golden Mm -hmm. State. And that little change is all that's going to be, in my mind, necessary for him to feel better and more rested. Plus, now he has more experience playing, and he knows how to treat his body going that deep into the playoffs if they do make it there again next year. But absolutely, that's going to be huge. And Anthony Simons is going to be the key for that. Yeah. He is going to take over Evan Turner's role, but the hope is that because you have Hood and Bazemore, you can then just let the other two, CJ and Dame, rest for that extended period together and not lose too much. You saw Ol- or not Olshay, Stotts try that multiple times during the season, and hell, even in the playoffs where you took them both out at the same time and that bench unit came in and just got slaughtered yeah. by the other teams. So hopefully that, that now makes it a little bit of an easier decision for him.
2: And I think it's a, it's a little tougher, you know, just considering the way the free agency has gone this off season. Um, it's going to be a lot harder for them to choose or decide which nights you're not going to play because now with the Clippers being a better team and the nuggets we assume are, are still going to be a competitive team, like all these teams in the Western conference, like there's no off night and, you possibly missing a game with your best player, man, that can be, and we've seen in the NBA, that can be all the difference between getting a third seed or being the sixth seed, you know, going into the playoffs. So it's going to be much tougher. And then you only play the teams in the East once or twice. And so I know they're trying to put some things in place to where players can't miss games that are, you know, against the Eastern Conference, or against the opposite conference, because they only get a chance to see those teams twice. So, yeah, it's going to be tougher for them to really miss those games. So this, way, this is why I think Terry Stotts, has to be incredibly mindful of how he, you know, how he uses his guys and how many minutes Dame is really able to play, and you know, is, is he going to cut down his minutes in the first quarter? How many minutes is going to play in the in the second? Those are the things that are going to be really important because you need to keep if the team is going to go as Damian Lillard goes. Like I mean, you see with C J out, Dame was still able to carry the team. I think if the roles were reversed, uh, C J wouldn't have been able to carry the Blazers the way Dame was able to carry them to that point.
1: No, Dame, Dame is the leader. He is the superstar. He just signed that Supermax contract. So, yeah, he is, as he goes, the team will go. And I mean, we, CJ had an amazing off our postseason last year, and we saw his game get elevated to yet another level, offensively at least. But we all know this is Damian Lillard's team uh, for here on out. Coming up next, I want to get a little bit into a question that you posed earlier. I posed it. Well, you kind of, you asked it, yeah what what is going on with russell westbrook oh. and what is going on with uh jimmy Butler? why do these guys have so much so many issues with the teams that they're on and players playing with them it's very interesting and also it it kind of ties back into lillard a little bit because of a, a comment that i saw from rodney hood about why lillard is just so rare in the nba that's next here on sports Sunday on the Fa-
3: Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
1: Oh well, yeah, one final thought that I forgot to mention last segment before we get into what's going on with the guys like Russell Westbrook is they do have a couple roster spots still open that they can get a veteran player, I believe, just on the minimum to come in and. I think that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there because generally you will not see that type of veteran player choose the Blazers because he wants to go chase a ring. But this year that veteran player may as, may very well choose the Blazers because they have a chance to make it into the NBA Finals, like a lot of teams do. And I'm very curious to see who they try to go and get. I'm assuming they're going to try to get another big because right now all they have is, is – white side basically and Nurkic when he comes back so I'm assuming that will be a big one but I also wonder if you're going to go get a backup point guard as well because you're putting a lot on Simons and having an, a veteran there who might be able to play alongside Simons off the ball might be a good thing to, to have as well so I'm curious who they're going to get in that role someone texted me go, go get Gallinari. I mean, he's going to cost probably too much for you unless he takes the veterans minimum, but I wouldn't mind going,
2: all right? It's funny you say that because we were talking at a point and I brought up a list of all the available free agents at the guard spot. So (laughs) here are the guys that are still available. Some of them are retread guys. Uh, Jared Bayless, Corey Brewer, Trey Burke,
1: Mm.
2: Jose Calderon. Here's one that kind of, you know, got both of our, you know, Vince Carter hell yeah I would take Bring Vince Carter to absolutely I would take Vince Carter no questions asked um Ian Clark he was a blazer killer for years so you know he might be one of those guys that might be able to step in and do that here's a, a, a retread guy in his 19th year Jamal Crawford ooh You know, still, still available. I don't know if I would mind bringing Jamal Crawford back. He seems like a good dude. You know what, Jamal Crawford? I wasn't a big fan when he was here the first time, but that was under a totally different system. I think Jamal sixth manny then. Now I feel like
1: he would just be veteran bench.
2: I think Jamal Crawford could be a good person for the for the Blazers. When he shoots
1: and he's on, he does not
2: miss. Man, his 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 handle is one of the craziest ever. Nobody ever talks about that. But um, Jerry and Grant is still available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some guy named uh. Kirk, uh, Ferkin Korkmaz. Who? Yeah, Kirkin for uh, Ferkin. Furkin. I'm not sure. It might be. It, I don't know. It might be a little one of those actually one of those little you know okay. things there. Either way, uh, Jeremy Lin is available. That wouldn't be too bad, I don't think. I think Jeremy Lin is a, is a serviceable as a veteran backup guy, point yeah. Guard. yeah, and then NBA Shelvin champion
1: Mack. Jeremy Lin, and you get that right. Oh,
2: excuse me. Uh, Shelvin Mack and Patrick McCaw.
1: That's the available free agents right now. Yes, I, those are at
2: the guard position. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: We need a big two because the Blazers are really, really, really narrow there or shallow there. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind a couple of those guys. If they if they're willing to take you know minimum contracts for a year or two, I would not mind getting any of those guys. How would you in.
2: feel about an Andrew Bogut?
1: No. He can go back to play in Australia if he'd like. Or I don't an, think he had that much of an impact on the Warriors. A, when came a name down.
2: that I've read about, and I think you said you read about it as well, is one Tyson Chandler.
1: Yeah, I've seen Tyson Chandler mentioned as a guy the Blazers really need to go out and get. As a guy who can be a backup big until Nurk comes back, that would be a great backup big to have, in my opinion. Good veteran presence. Not all veterans are going to be created equal in terms of locker room presence, but because of the amount of turnover, you know, you trust Dame to c- keep that culture going and CJ too to keep, you know, the same kind of – culture that you had here with the other guys, but having a veteran who is a good locker room personality will be very important in pushing that too. So that I I don't know who that would be out of that group of players that we just mentioned, but that is uh, something I think is going to be very important. Yes, it is. Uh, All right. So let's, let's get into the Russell Westbrook and sort of Jimmy Butler question too that Rashad brought up. So Russell Westbrook, as we have found out the last few years is very, very, very hard to play with. And in some ways, I think it's just purely because the way he plays the game is incredibly selfish, right? He's Mr. Triple Double. His stats are incredible. What he does is incredible. But if you play with him, you are going to get shoved to the side. You're basically option three because Russell Westbrook is options one and two. But from what I can gather is players leave Russell Westbrook not just because of that, but also because I don't know if he's that cool of a guy to, to be on a team with as a person. He seems weird. He seems guarded. He doesn't seem like the easiest person to be a teammate with either. And I wonder if Paul George leaving after committing to stay and having one full year is finally proof in the pudding that you just don't want Russell Westbrook, no matter how good he is, on your team. Because he just is a problem.
2: Westbrook is one of those dudes that um, he's lucky he hoops, right? Basketball, in my opinion, basketball is the most social sport that there is. Why? Because basketball is really the one sport that involves a lot of talking. A lot of guys, you know, move here from uh, from overseas or from you know from out of the country, and basketball is really how they learn to speak English. Remember when Yao Ming first came, he couldn't speak a word of English and then basketball kind of, you know, helped him out as far as learning slang and some other things. Westbrook isn't a guy that meshes well with people. I think that's the big thing. I actually ran into, or, you know, ran into Russell Westbrook here about three weeks ago, four weeks ago in, um, in Santa Monica and some students came up to him and I took, we took about 60 high school students to LA. So a couple of them went up and was like, Hey, Russell Westbrook, you know, NBA superstar. Can I take a picture with you? And he was kind of like, you know, not doing no pictures today type thing. And, you know, which is cool, like, uh, you know, as a as a, as an athlete or as a superstar, an actor, singer, whatever you do, I understand groupy ass adults coming up to, up to you wanting autographs and wanting pictures that more than likely they're probably going to try to sell or post for likes or, you know, whatever the case is. So I understand that. Kids is a different thing, though. I feel like, man, we know the incident that he had with the the little boy who patted him on the back when he was, you know, when he went out of bounds and kind of flashed on his dad. Like, he's a different dude. Like, Westbrook doesn't understand the concept of, um, and it sounds weird for a guy that averages 10 assists or 11 assists, um, being a good teammate. You know, I think that's the big thing. If you have this guy in Kevin Durant, who is an amazing sco- uh, shooter, scorer, amazing player, and you're just unwilling to defer at any point that's a problem. When you have a guy like Paul George who can do literally everything well, he's an A at almost everything on the floor, shooting, rebounding, defending, uh, uh, driving to the basket. Paul George is an A, and you still refuse to give him the ball and let him do his thing at certain points. Man, this is a you issue. Like, so KD didn't want to play with you. We bashed KD for leaving. Shouldn't have went to the Warriors, but whatever. You got two championships out of, out of it. We bashed him for leaving. Now everybody looks at Paul George four years later going, yeah, we get it. That's It's okay. I would have left too, And I just think people are over playing with the the alpha male point guard. Think about it right now. All the all the problem children, quote unquote, in the league, they're all point guards. Nobody wants to play with Chris Paul right now because he's a jerk. Nobody wants to play with Westbrook because he's a jerk. Kyrie messed up all the chemistry in the team, in the, the team of Boston because he's a jerk. It's like, like
1: the wide receiver of the NBA.
2: it's That's exactly what they are. They're the wide receiver of the NBA right now. And they're now. supposed to be the quarterbacks. And so it's, 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 it's one of those things, like the egos I think are, are too large for, for each of these guys. And it's, I think it's hard for them to kind of swallow. That. That's why I look at KD and Kyrie going, this isn't going to work. Like Kyrie isn't, he's not even Westbrook as far as a passer. So that's not going to work. How's this going to work? Cause he's a selfish player. And I tend to think Westbrook is the same type of selfish player.
1: The other guy we mentioned too, is Jimmy Butler. And we were talking about that in a break, not on the air, but. Jimmy Butler appears to be a really cool person. Super chill. We both had watched the hot ones on YouTube with Jimmy Butler. He was really, really cool on that one. Seems to have a great personality. And when he goes to certain teams, it it feels like in the beginning, all is well. But yet then you hear all these rumors and reports and rumblings with the Bulls. He wanted out of Chicago and he was causing a bunch of issues. And then the Timberwolves didn't work out and he wanted out of there. And he took all the walk-ons and not walk-ons, all the backups and destroyed the starters in a scrimmage game just out of anger. He forced his way out of two different teams, went to the Sixers, then leaves the Sixers and goes to the Heat. Why is Jimmy Butler like that? Because he appears to be a great guy, but it, it also appears like he leaves teams devastated in his wake as he decides he doesn't want to be there anymore. I don't uh, know. The, the NBA is weird, man.
2: Yeah. The NBA the guys in the NBA at number one are very, very strange you know they're very sensitive you know in the way that they that they do things they're you know they're just they're just different cats you know a lot of the times i think jimmy butler's situation is a little different in the sense that here's a dude that grew up poor like dirt poor homeless sleeping on the homies couches and couch surfing staying in his gym as long as he can so he wouldn't have to go home like those type of circumstances you know, I think for him, he's just an ultimate competitor. And I think that's where it's different with him and Westbrook. In Chicago, he's in a situation where Derrick Rose was hurt. He was thrust into the into the star position. And Chicago just didn't have enough around them to be able to do anything. He was the only one person to play defense. Him and Thibodeau kind of got along. Thibodeau left. You know, things kind of fell apart. Then he went to Minnesota. And Carl Anthony Towns, who's as, emerged as one of the softest players, you know, in the NBA, while he's incredibly skilled, kind of, has been given the title is kind of soft. Andrew Wiggins is somebody that a lot of players, a lot of people, including you, don't want to touch as far as, nah, I'm good on Andrew Wiggins. That was his team. Those were the two players he was supposed to lean on, and I think he was a little frustrated by that. Embiid plays too much. Embiid is more of a joker than, he's, he's, he's more for, for known for social media than he is, for things on the court, a lot of the times, man. Simmons ben Simmons
1: is weird. Ben yeah.
2: Simmons is looks like Mona Lisa and can't shoot a jump shot to save his life to be a, to be a guard. Again, you're in the position to where you have to do all the stuff on your own. So and why he's not? In that
1: Kardashian.
2: Yeah, and he's a, he's a, and he's sweating. One of the, the the Kardashian sisters. Like, come on, bro. You're you're on some weird stuff. So I think Jimmy Butler is just he's a lone wolf and he would rather be on a team like Miami that doesn't have you know much talent around him if it means that he can kind of do things his way and and
1: then in jesse's report the the reports out there about russell westbrook wanting wanting to be traded miami one of the options westbrook and butler together absolutely not oh god
2: absolutely not because Westbrook might be
1: a good team but that might blow up in like three weeks
2: yeah westbrook is just i i I, Jimmy, jimmy butler doesn't strike me as a dude that's hard to talk to or hard to play with westbrook seems like a type of guy that's hard to play with and hard to talk to. Like for everything we've heard, we have never heard anybody say they don't want to play with Jimmy Butler. Like they didn't like playing with him. Is he a bit rough or is he a bit, you know, kind of callous or whatever? Yeah, probably. But bad teammate, I've never seen that.
4: Part. No, he's just, he's just a guy I think that gets disgruntled with his situation a little bit too easy since he's left Chicago. It's just been disgruntled, disgruntled, not really liking a situation. And it's, it's that to me would be my biggest concern because What blows my mind is why these guys aren't taking the personality more into their situation when they're thinking about wanting to team up with somebody. Kevin Durant, Kyrie, like how does Kevin Durant think that that's going to be a good thing? How does Kyrie think that that's going to be a good thing? What's the one thing that Kyrie's always wanted since he was the alpha in Cleveland? To be the alpha, he was he he didn't like being the beta. So he goes and teams up with Kevin Durant. Exactly. Exactly. So you think he's gonna be happy over there? You think Kevin Durant's gonna be the beta in that situation? No, Kevin Durant's the better player. Even coming off Achilles, he's probably gonna be a better player than Kyrie Irving because he does all facets of the game and he does it at an elite level. Whereas Kyrie is an elite scorer and a bad teammate and a bad distributor at a position that you want a distributor that's one of the reasons why like Westbrook yeah he gets lots of assists once he gets his players want to play with the point guard that distributes the ball or makes the other players around him better or has great chemistry around him like what was the one thing that we were talking about going into this offseason we're not going to be able to get Rodney Hood we're not going to be able to get Enos Cantor and the one thing that we said that that The slimmest of possibilities that's going to keep one of these guys around is the idea that we have such a great culture that these guys will be able to at least for a year take a little less in salary to stay a part of something that they know is special in in a culture that they don't get in most places around the NBA. And what happened? We got Rodney Hood. And so it blows my mind that you don't see more of this. Kevin Durant, what you had, you had you had multiple superstars in Golden State that sacrificed their stats and how people look at him in the league, everybody forgot how good Clay Thompson was, how good Steph Curry was, because they sacrificed for Kevin Durant. And he wants to leave that to go be with a guy who wants to be the alpha.
1: So that leads perfectly into one final thought before we go to break here. And that's that Blazer fans, I know you already do, but continue count, counting your lucky stars that Damian Lillard is your point guard. And this is just a quote from the latest Jason Quick piece where Rodney Hood says, He never has an off day as far as attitude. A lot of guys in his position care about themselves first, kind of what we've been talking about. But he's always checking up on guys. I remember coming in to do some late-night shooting with my wife, and he would be in there with Anthony, taking him to side. And stuff like him texting me after a good game, a bad game, telling me how important I am to the team. Those are things you don't. It's rare. He's a rare leader in this league, and that's a big reason why Portland has sustained its success. He's leading the way. And that is kind of to a T the entire point is – you can be an amazing player, but if you are, you know, $100 million game and two-cent head or however you want to say it, and you cannot be a good teammate, then your team in the long run will combust. And that's why I think Damian Willard being here and signing that Supermax is so important. I know the money on that is absolutely ridiculous, but keeping him as the leader of your team if you keep having to bring in different iterations and you're changing, trying to compete and get to the top of the West, he will keep the culture good. He will keep guys here and he will get guys to stay like Rodney Hood, who had better offers from other teams. Not all the guys are going to stay. Seth Curry apparently hated it. But you're going to get all the guys, some guys to stay and you're going to get all those guys to work together. And it's just the best situation you could have here in the city, 100%. All right, let's break. Coming up next, Hater to Love It, Here's Jesse.
3: Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
1: That music means it's time for hate it or love it. Jesse, I assume some basketball in there today, but will you change it up and throw some curveballs too?
4: Oh, you you want something other than basketball in there? Well, it's,
1: I mean, it's been a big basketball show, did I didn't know you yeah. like to put in other sports. Did somebody sports. say
2: Megan Rapinoe's name huh?
1: No, we
4: said Megan Rapinoe's name right. Yeah, okay. she scored a goal.
2: Okay, just making sure.
4: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just asking. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure I said it several times today. Yes. Okay. Uh, at least twice. Three times? Something Three times, like probably. Yeah. But not
2: yeah. according to this text here on the Better You Today text line.
4: Yeah, it's Megan Rapinoe. Yeah, pretty sure she scored the first goal in the 61st minute, right? Yeah. I yeah. know I
2: didn't say it wrong. That's the first time i said it all day, so just ask. Pre- pre- right.
4: Pretty sure I did. I mean, yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, sorry, texter, but, I mean, pretty sure I got it Unless in Unless it's like so Megan or,
1: or something I don't know. like that. I mean, I'm bad with Rapinoe. names. What do you want?
4: <laughs> what do you want? I, I don't pronounce names very well. <laughs> Admittedly. That we know. Yeah. We know this. What? Stop sending texted about it. Uh, Jeez. Okay. What do we got? I, I suck at spelling, okay? Thank God for spell check. That has saved my life. <laughs> I can still blame it on text, the, the, you know, autocorrect half the time anyway. But I suck at spelling and I suck at pronouncing names. Drop it. Drop it, texters. It's been dropped. We're good. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, well, of course, obviously, there's uh, basketball in here. Um, you know what? I got... Luckily I keep a list of things that we've gone over and I highlight what we went over and what we didn't hit. So I actually have some stuff that I can go back in the list and we can okay. go into some football stuff if you want. Yeah, let's All let's, right.
1: All right. I like to have a little little variety in there.
4: Okay. Uh well, let's see here. Um the New York Viking or I mean the New York the Minnesota Vikings. Uh they had some high expectations last season. They didn't quite meet those expectations with the addition of Kirk Cousins, who at the time signed this huge, the only guaranteed deal of a football player, blah, 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 blah. Um, and in when it all came down to it, the end of the season, they were 7, 8, and 1. A sub-500 team. Love or hate? This coming season, the Vikings will be above 500, and with Cousins under center.
1: oof, man, that's a great question. Mm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say hate because they're in a really tough division. The Packers are the Packers. I know they've had some changes and they've got a new head coach, but you've got Aaron Rodgers there still, and they're going to always be competitive. The Bears, I think, are really primed to make a huge leap this year. A lot of people are jocking on Mitchell Trubisky having himself uh, – a really really good year even i saw a lot of people are putting bets on him as an mvp for a good odd long shot guy um and the lions are no slouch either it's it's a really really tough division in the nfc north and look kirk cousins is a great quarterback and did he deserve to get all the guaranteed money i eh, probably not but when when you're a team that needs a quarterback you got to go to those extra lengths to get him. but i don't think he's special enough as a quarterback to lead a team consistently to be a playoff team now over 500 is a little bit of a different story. They had some injury issues last year with the running back position, but I just don't see it. I I don't see the Vikings really being more than an 8 and 8 team or a 9 and 7, 7 and 9 around there, but I'll say hate for the 500 thing just cuz I I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. I don't.
2: Um uh, yeah, I'm going to hate it. Um uh they have to fix the offense you know, with Kirk Cousins there. Um they and I think they did a lot to try to really bolster the the supporting cast around Cousins. You know, they got a chance to keep their offensive coordinator. They hired uh, Kubiak to kind of uh, uh, run an offensive system around whatever Kirk Cousins does well. Um, they got they still got Kyle Rudolph, who's, you know, one of their bigger playmakers in the league. But still, there's still some questions like in a lot of it is about Kirk Cousins, you know, is you know, he's admitted to being like a 500 quarterback. And I think he knows that that's kind of the the makeup of, of his career at this point you know so I think he has to um try to do more as, as a leader you know what I'm saying I know that we got the you like that he's good for sound bites and stuff like that but I think a lot of this is based on Kirk Cousins because it's not like he doesn't have a talented team it's not like he doesn't have a talented defense it's not like he doesn't have talented offensive weapons it's really going to be how far can you take them because we saw Case Keenum take them pretty far.
1: I like the leader thing. I am curious about his ability to be a leader. that's my only question for him. You like that thing was cool, but it felt reactionary, right? Yes. He kind of feels like a wet blanket as a leader to me. He doesn't I don't feel like he's a charge you up kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no,
4: no, that that uh I mean he did the, the interview circuit when he was in free agency and he's just I mean, he kinda has that Jay Cutler feel a little bit. A little arrogant, not necessarily a great leader. And and you're right. That that last that last point, you know, uh the the talent is better than what it's showing, but that to me is a lack of leadership. Yeah, it's it's,
2: it's all on on his shoulders in this case.
4: Um, all right. Well, uh we'll stick with the NFL. We can do an all NFL one and if I we also go don't to don't
1: like Mike Zimmer as the head coach there.
4: Right, yeah, no, I mean just not not doing it for me either. Um, I do like the Kubiak addition, though. I think they're really going to lean on Cook this year. So fantasy guys expect maybe a resurgence from Cook, assuming he can stay healthy. (laughs) Uh, And that is a big if after two seasons. Uh, uh, With that said, let's segue into the running back position. We got lots of great running backs in the NFL. It's pretty top-heavy with guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Le'Veon Bell, just to name a few. Love or hate? The New York Giants will have the league rushing leader in Saquon Barkley.
1: Mm. I'll say love on that one based on his last year's performance and the fact that they still don't have a quarterback that I trust to throw the football. So I'm going to go ahead and say that they're going to rely on Saquon Barkley quite a bit. And oh, don't forget, they also lost Odell Beckham Jr. So they don't really have any wide receivers to trust to throw the football to. I think the plan this year, in all honesty, is to give daniel jones as much time to see if he is worth the first round pick and to be a good starting quarterback obviously eli is still the starter but they are going to rely heavily on saquon barkley but last year he proved that he could be relied heavily on because every time i watched the giants it was it was almost like every every down he was running the ball and he was always gaining those yards he really didn't have a lot of bad runs And that was even behind an offensive line that had question marks going into the year too. He still was that good. I think most people, I think most people looked at him and said, that was a bad draft pick because you had more needs that were more pressing. That might still be the case because the rest of the team is still struggling to fill the gaps, but you got yourself a special running back in Saquon Barkley. So as long as he stays healthy, which is obviously key at the running back position. Yes. I think he will be the leading rusher in the NFL next
2: year. Oof. I am going to hate it, Um, not because I think that he's not capable, uh, but because, Lynch said, there's still a couple offensive line issues in New York that they have to address, Um, that now that there's no Odell Beckham Jr. there, you know exactly where the ball is going to go, and that's Saquon Barkley. And then for the third reason is that, man, Ezekiel Elliott still plays behind the best offensive line in all of football make no mistake about it the dallas cowboys are still the best offensive line in football ezekiel elliott for the second year for the second year third year i can't remember this is his third year correct fourth this would be a fourth year fourth but in this and in, in those uh, three other years he's been the top of the league as far as rushing he's been uh he led the league in rushing uh this past year uh, only had six touchdowns, but Saquon was able to score more. Uh, more, I think he'll score more touchdowns. But as far as getting more yards, I think Ezekiel Elliott just has more help with that team, and so I think he's going to be number one in rushing this year.
4: All right, uh, nice. We got ourselves a tie going into the third question.
1: It's been happening more recently. It's nice. Yeah,
4: competitive games. Uh, we're gonna stick. Uh, we're gonna stick with the NFL. Um, And we're going to go to the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks, who let a, well, they didn't let necessarily go. Doug Baldwin just kind of fell apart and had to quit football. Um, And leaving that wide receiving core with a few question marks in the draft, they took what was considered the biggest freak of a specimen in DK Metcalf, but also possibly the biggest question mark at the position. Love or hate? DK Metcalf will lead to Seattle in receiving.
1: I'm going to hate that. It is way less to do with him and way more to do with Tyler Lockett. Already, he kind of already broke out, but I think he's primed for that, that capital that season this year. Russell Wilson loves throwing him the football. He is always open, always open. He's shifty, he's small, he runs the inside patterns well, but he's also open on the deep roots a lot too. He's Down the left sideline, I feel like he got these over-the-shoulder catches once or twice a game from Russell Wilson last year. Uh, But it does have a little bit to do with Metcalf. I've heard some rumblings that Metcalf has played decently so far early in OTAs. But, man, the talk around him was physical freak, not going to be that good of a wide receiver once he's drafted. And he's going to be drafted way too high now, I know that was a big position of need for the Seahawks, and I, I don't think it was a bad value pick because of where they took him. It kind of just made sense uh, that and he was still available when they got him. But I think it's going to be Tyler Lockett's time to shine this year, and uh, Russell Wilson's going to focus the ball on him quite
4: a bit.
2: Are we talking uh, for the for the year? Gonna yeah, have he's going to
4: th- lead the Seahawks in receiving for the KK year. DK Metcalf.
2: Uh. Whew. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna love it um, I, I think the one thing that we see is uh, with rookies you don't really know what's what's what they're capable of you know you haven't seen any tape on them I think DJ Metcalf is somebody that's a big huge target. It's going to be, he's the size of a tight end. It's going to be hard for you to not want to force the ball into him when he's in a one-on-one situation with the DB or a linebacker who's just smaller than him and just doesn't jump as high as him. It's not as physically you know, imposing as him. I think Tyler Lockett is going to be great for those wheel routes. I think he's going to be great for those deep balls and some of that stuff. But I think DK Metcalf is going to be one of those possession guys. He didn't have a great college career because he didn't have a great college quarterback. And then his college quarterback that he had was hurt for a lot of his, uh, I think think a lot of his sophomore year. So when he was really able to shine, he didn't have that person to throw in the ball. So the the numbers don't jump off the screen at you with DK Metcalf, but his his size and athleticism and ability that absolutely does. And I think because of that, he's going to have more catches, possibly more yards. I don't know if he'll score a lot of touchdowns, but I think he's going to be somebody that Russell Wilson is going to rely heavily on, especially because the tight end position is just kind of okay for the Seahawks.
4: Yeah, no, the size ability combination of him, and then I think you add in Russell Westbrook, who's obviously um, raises Wilson? the um, the skill level of the players around him, the wide receivers. I um, honestly think he made a lot of what Doug Baldwin was. Not that Doug Baldwin wasn't a great receiver. He was great off the line, created a lot of separation. But, I mean, Russell Westbrook has done a great job of, of – I mean, Russell m- Wilson. Yeah. You said I mean, I'm Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson, sorry. Um, he does a great job of, 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 getting guys like Luke Wilson money for the Detroit Lions, right? Like just, just little things. And so you have a guy and a physical freak. I think he's just going to do things that are going to make things easier for DK Metcalf.
1: That is a very tough one, by the way. I've done that a, multiple times as well. The Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson one. When you're talking yeah. about them in the same show, yeah, it's like ah. Okay, who won? I forgot that was a competition.
4: Oh, sorry, uh, the the winner of that today is by one point, Rashad Taylor. Uh-huh. Nice, Rashad. I'll take it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, we're way
2: over. Oh yeah. So, what uh, do you want to
1: talk about in the last segment, though? Anything? Uh, anything?
2: Uh, float in your boat. Floating boats. Let's talk about that. Okay. Up next on the fan.
3: Oregongreen.org. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080, The Fan.
2: 10.54. We got like, what, three minutes left on the show? Four minutes? Two and a uh, half? Two minutes. Two minutes. Well, uh, <laughs> you talked about floating boats. Uh, I, I didn't get to float a boat or float anything uh for that matter
1: last week you were telling me you might shoot me an invite to Uh, do some river i was definitely gonna i I did not get an invite. you
2: did not get an invite because i did not go yesterday was the big barton the carver float shout out to everybody who actually did go out there to the freezing uh clackamas river and you know and and do that but i it was it was really overcast today it even rained for a little bit yesterday so there was no way i was going to get out there and go floating and then the clackamas river goes kind of fast and it's super cold. And so that wasn't yesterday with 60, whatever degrees it was, wasn't quite float weather. So that's the reason you didn't get an invite. But okay. next time, I'm a, I am going to go floating a few times this summer, uh, maybe to the Clackamas, maybe on the Sandy. But sh- you and wifey should definitely uh, get out. Jesse, you as well. You know, see if Marie wants to get out there and do some floating.
4: Yeah, I haven't floated since the last time uh, I went out to the Clackamas, did the Barton of Carver, and uh, there was a, a sheriff in the tree line with binoculars, looking at everybody, and a couple of my friends got some tickets yeah. for being on the river doing things apparently you can't do anymore. Can't so. be
2: drinking on the river. That's what they, you know, got to pull over to do that. Really? So, yeah, no, it's, it's it's a big no-no. That's strange. Yeah, So, but to keep, to keep people safe, which I totally understand.
1: All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening today. Go USA. Women already won their World Cup game today that was the final so they won the World Cup for the second straight year or second straight tournament I should say U.S. men are in the final tonight six o'clock against Mexico in the Gold Cup nowhere near as prestigious but still a big deal also the Timbers play at 3.30 today so lots of soccer on the docket for everybody if you are a soccer fan I am out next week uh, so cool. Rashad will be here Jesse will be here and you might bring in a co-host as well I uh, got some friends visiting next weekend we'll call so Rob see I will what he's be, doing <laughs> I will be out next week
3: So have a very good uh, rest of the next two weeks, and then we'll see you then. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat!
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue.